Welcome to another episode of Yesterday's Capers. I'm Abdullah Merlin, and every week I'll be bringing you the very best shows from the past that the world has to offer. Happy Women's History Month! That's right, it's girl power all day, every day, and for the next month we'll be looking back on some pretty awesome TV shows and cartoons starring some iconic women. This week we look back on some cartoons with some kick-ass girls as we talk Totally Spies and Winx Club. That's right, we're talking about an Italian cartoon for the very first time. And we talk The Legend of Korra. I told you this episode is going to be filled with girl power and one way or another, we hope we can do it justice. So, let's get started. Yes, absolutely. Do you feel the power of the woman? And uh, joining me is producer Paul. How's it going? I'm all right, thanks. I mean, I, I know I've kind of given it the big build-up, but I only think I liked one of these shows. If I'm being brutally honest, right? I think there was a um, there was a clear winner for a start, and I have no doubt that our three are going to be exactly the same this week. One show was or it was all right, and the other show was so bad it was my bike and mice from Mars. That being said, I can see that my niece would have liked it and I can see its place in the cartoon world. But I nearly shot myself watching this show. <laughs> I I would love to know what your Biker Mice from Mars is. I love how that Biker Mice from Mars now means just instant bad. But like I said, there was one show out of the three that I thought was was actually a, a hell of a show. It's a damn good show. And I thought the other two, not so much. I think, yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna struggle picking those two apart if I'm, if I'm being honest. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I get it. We're not the target audience, so yeah, that's that's one of my notes to, on this. Yeah, you know, have that as one big caveat. But obviously, we have to do what's uh, in front of us. And you know it's it, it is it is Women's History Month, so we 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 got to talk about these shows one way or another. We 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 got to cover it. So, uh, like I said, if you don't like what we've said, then uh, that's perfectly fine. Um, gonna start with some uh, some sad news. Um, the actor Jamil French, who played Dave Turner in Degrassi, has uh, sadly passed away at the age of twenty nine. I was actually trying to look for him and I and I couldn't put his um face into uh into Degrassi. I think he was in uh, Degrassi the next generation. So then that kind of makes it even uh, a, a doubly I'm not sure if I know him but yeah, that's very sad. He wasn't yeah, he wasn't Degrassi. I know how much uh we loved talking about that show when we did. Honestly, it's one of the the best shows I've discovered whilst doing this uh, this pod. So uh, some 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 very very sad news and uh, thoughts go out to uh, Jamil French's family and friends. Right, let's uh, let's get this uh, show on the road now, and uh, we're going to start with uh, Totally Spies. And this show came out in uh, November two thousand and one, and some of the things happening in the world. Derek Jeter hits the uh, MLB or Major League Baseball's first November home run at the World Series. Microsoft Xbox is released in the United States with 14 launch titles. US President 
George W. Bush dedicates the United States Department of Justice headquarters building as the Robert F. Kennedy Department of Justice building, honoring the late Robert F. Kennedy on what would have been his 76th birthday. Monsters, Inc. was in the cinemas. And uh, Family Affair by Mary J. Blige was in the charts. Monsters, Inc. was awesome, wasn't it? You know what? Seriously, did you not watch Top of the Pops as a kid? No, I couldn't stand it. It was annoying. <laughs> or what about CD UK? I don't even know. I no, I, do, I don't know what that is. CD UK. It was the music thing they used to come on after SMTV. What did you switch off your TV at eleven thirty or something? If it was music, it would have been straight off, or I would have been doing something else because I I didn't like it. I was up and out, and and don't forget that like our parents literally used to just be like, "Oh, it's the weekend. I'll see you later. I'll see you at dinner time." Top Pops is coming Fridays though, not the weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I didn't. I never watched that. Um, I don't even know what else was on at that time. So you didn't watch any music shows or anything like that? What about in school? Because you know, in school, everybody talks about music in school. Everybody says, "Oh my god, have you heard that song? Have you done this? Have you done that?" No, see, for us, it was all about football, and even then, I was at a loss because I don't watch that either. I had one friend in the entire school. This is not a joke. Um, his name was Nick. And he was the only guy in the whole school I could talk about Formula One with. We used to sit on the bus next to each other on a Monday and talk about the like entire race weekend and then go to school and just have nothing to say to most of my friends at school whilst they talked about football. But like even like people would say like, Oh my god, have you heard this song or have you watched this TV show? What would you just be in the corner saying nothing? Mostly. But the thing is, like if it was when it when when do you know when Freeview became a thing and it was like uh, the 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 hits. Uh, what was it called? The box, um, and a couple of other music channels were free to air on that. Yeah. Did you not watch those either? Yeah, I did. Those were, but only for a little while. Between, I'd say, even though I know this is two thousand and one, but from about two thousand and one, probably, yeah, maybe to two thousand and five, I watched these things. And um, I also used to watch Sky Sports News because that was also free. Um, and I remember trying so hard to keep up with the football news, you know, just to have something to talk about with my friends. And then they used to go off on some tangent about how this guy used to be in like League Three and now he's doing this. And, you know, his mum his mum was making chips for that company and now she's doing this. And there was they would come up with some such ex- obscure well, knowledge. Sky Sports News. No, so basically I used to try and learn some stuff. So I had stuff to talk about. But then they, they would even go one further and be like, oh, I remember when this guy was like... You, you know, don't got to learn about that. Learn about matches and things that happen. You don't need to know about someone's, you know, upbringing and how he's, he's, his parents is a big inspiration to him and how he almost gave up football. But then you ain't got to do none of that. All you got to do is just go on YouTube, watch some clips... I will serve you right. You ain't got to do any of that extracurricular stuff. I mean, I just gave up after a while because every time I said something, they had someone else had something else to say about it. Do you know that bit on The Office where Ricky Gervais is, uh, sorry, David Brent is going on about the blockbuster thing and he keeps having to go away and learn something and then come back and he goes, oh yeah, do you remember you were talking about that earlier? And the guy knows even more about it. That was basically like how I was at school with football. But then, you know, obviously... (sighs) Family Affair by Mary J. Blige like one of the biggest songs ever, and you you literally have no idea. I mean, I'll, let me have a little listen whilst you do the intro, and I'll tell you. Honestly, like you're you're just right. So totally spies now. So this was a French Canadian animated TV series created by Vincent 
Chavon de Marseille and David Michel, mainly produced by French company Marathon Media and co-produced with Canadian company Image Entertainment Corporation for season three and five. The show was made to resemble anime in artwork and was originally based on the concept of a girl group. It focuses on three teenage girls in Beverly Hills, California, who work as undercover super agents. Several Several products tied to the series have been released, which include a series of comic books, novels and video games, a prequel theatrical movie named Totally Spies the Movie, made and released between the fifth and sixth seasons and co-produced with Italy, was released in 2009. It centers around the adventures of three girls, Sam, Alex and Clover, who live a double life as spies working for the World Organization of Human Protection, or WHOOP. The girls are recruited by the organization's leader, Jerry, to solve worsening crime conditions that arise across the globe. Their primary missions involve dealing with disgruntled and vengeful criminals who have been wronged in some form during their past. Other missions have the same villains plotting revenge on the spies by ruining their personal lives. Framing each episode is a subplot that focuses on the girls' daytime lives as high school and later university students, dealing with relationships and their longtime high school rival Mandy. Each of the three girls has a spy suit with a heart-shaped silver belt and spy suit with different colors, red, yellow, and green. Don't ask me which one of the girls wore the colors because I couldn't remember. The show's conception came from the rise of girl bands and female singers in the music industry. Wanting to capitalize on the niche, David Michelle and Vincent Chalvon de Marseille put their idea into development, which later shifted into production within a year. According to Michelle, the series animation style was intended to incorporate anime influences The production company Marathon Media intended on building the series by forming a three-piece girl band and utilizing German talk show Arabella to create it. Don't know who Arabella is. Obviously, German listeners, you're probably going, oh, my God, Arabella, Arabella. You know, good stuff. Uh, In an interview with worldscreen.com, Michelle said that prior to the show, there were a lot of boy and there were a lot of boy action adventure shows and practically nothing for girls. He's got a point there. Yeah, in pop culture, there was Britney Spears and the Spice Girls. He said that the characters are heavily inspired by the movie Clueless and wanted to mix that with a James Bond format. When they first pitched the show, it had a moderate response, but when the first season was broadcast, the Charlie's Angels film came out in the year 2000, and suddenly the market was full of girl show properties. According to an article, Achieving a Global Reach on Children's Cultural Markets by Valerie Ines de la Ville and Laurent Deroup, the series was originally designed to reach an American audience, but has garnered an appeal from its humor based on stereotypical European vision of American references, while appearing to be original and innovative to the US audience. Producer and artistic director Stefan Berry said that the style is a melting between the American style, which associates action and comedy and Japanese design for the aesthetic environment and the emotions expressed through the large eyes of the characters. Some of the common references have included Charlie's Angels, Beverly Hills, The Avengers, James Bond and its gadgets, anime and cat's eye. 
Jay jo Jolie Herman of Common Sense Media gave the series a mixed review, rating the show three out of five stars, and writing that, and I quote, we think it's a decent show to catch once in a while, but anything more regular might give viewers the like slightest headache. John Corey of Inside Pulse had a more positive review, calling the show fun enough for small kids who want a Charlie's Angels undercover action show. The trio does their best to balance the fun of being in the espionage game without it being too risky. Matt Heinrichs of DVD Talk gave a positive review, calling the action in the first three seasons decently written enough for adults to enjoy. The Parents Television Council in their March 2006 report noted that the show did not contain offensive language but expressed concern about the nature of violence of the show. In an episode where rats were released to psychologically torture Jerry and Clover and the lewd content exampled by a sunblock ad by a bikini-clad woman, the show was also described as risky because it targeted girls with a genre typically associated with boys' shows and that it was animated when the girls were more interested in live shows. After four seasons, the show had reached over 130 countries and was met with enthusiasm among ages 6 to 11 that included both girls and boys and had a Pokemon-like appeal to a broad range of age and gender. In an interview before season three, David Michel said, and I quote, the one thing that surprised us the most is the consistency in the male-female viewership split. From Brazil to Italy, we have 50... 50 boys girls audience ratio whereas everybody was watching the show would score very low on boys and scott stout of screen rant listed the show among his 10 girl cartoons that guys secretly love love to find out the other nine shows a spin-off series called the amazing spies features new characters as spies retaining jerry as a regular character in the show while the series focuses on four young teenage siblings, Lee, Megan, Mark, and Tony Clark, the three spy girls make an appearance on the crossover episode Operation Dude Ranch Disaster from season one. And yeah, the, the, the characters of the show. Sam is the intellectual of the group. She acts as the rational, logical thinker in getting through the problems they encounter on their missions. And she has waist length, red hair, green eyes, and wears a green catsuit. Yes, I did make a note of this. Alex is the most easygoing, serving as the glue that holds the friendship together. She's affectionate and likes to express her feelings. She likes animals and sometimes acts childish compared to the other two. She has chin-length black hair, brown eyes, and wears a yellow catsuit. Clover, I think she's the black one, enjoys shopping, fashion, and good-looking guys. Oh, come on, man. I didn't write that down. That's, that's not my... That's that's the internet's fault. I ain't supposed to say that. Shopping, fashion, and good-looking guys. You may as well just write stereotype, 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 stereotype. Even if it is true. But yeah, she's not only athletic and strong, again, more stereotype, but also impulsive and spontaneous. More stereotypes. You know what? These the the the, the notes I wrote suck, man. Sorry, I apologize. She has, soldier, she has shoulder length blonde hair, blue eyes, and wears a red catsuit. Okay, yeah. I don't think Clover is the black one, actually, when I think about it. 
Jerry is the girl's boss at Whoop, and he's the founder and head of the organization, appearing as a middle-aged, balding British man in a black suit. He's very protective of the girls, often invading their privacy to ensure that they are safe. Despite having a sedentary role in Whoop's affairs, Jerry has displayed some martial arts skills when occasionally assisting on the girls' missions, and he provides the various gadgets that the spies use on each mission. Mandy is the classmate or rival to the girls in their lives outside of Whoop. Mandy's rich, beautiful, and popular, but also very mean, rude, snobby, spoiled, and self-centered. While she does serve as a rival to all three girls, Mandy's typically portrayed as being more of a rival to Clover than she is to Sam or Alex. Mandy has long black hair, violet eyes, and a highly pitched nasally voice, and is often seen wearing purple. And Gladys, or Gadget Lending and Distribution Interactive System, is the computer system with robotic arms that assists in gadget handling throughout the third and fourth seasons. Gladys ultimately proved to be unpopular with the fans of the show and was written out of the show's early in the fifth season, almost entirely due to fan complaints. What you got against the computer, man? <laughs> Leave the computer alone. Shoot. Anyway, yeah, talk about this show. Fan complaints. That's like, that's a lot of effort to go through to like, you know, to get something changed, isn't it? Most people just complain about it and don't say anything. That's like quite a... And it's a computer. I didn't even know there was a computer called Gladys, to be honest. Yeah, because it got written out, didn't it? I mean, I watched, I did watch a couple of episodes of this show and um, I definitely got the James Bondy feel to it, especially with the gadgets and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a spy thing for... I mean, I don't like James Bond, so I don't think this was going to hit the mark for me, but um, it, do you know what? It wasn't actually that bad a show. Like, it was a bit, it was quite cool. Um, I like the kind of juxtaposition between um, kind of schoolgirl, doing schoolgirl things and superhero spy save the world you know and those two worlds kind of colliding i like that i thought that was quite successful i've, I've been like in two minds with this because i can yeah like part of me would watch it and think ah, oh, yeah you know it's not too bad and then i watch it some more and then i'd be like yeah i'm not, I'm not entirely sure but but for me it's uh it's one of those where it's not for me wasn't I'm not the target audience. I never will be. And I was never really going to click with this show a hundred percent. I think one of the reviews was saying something along the lines of, you know, if you watch it you know, in isolation or in, in moderation, then it might be a decent show. But you don't want to watch this regularly or on the regular. And I had heard of Totally Spies. It's 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 a name that rings a bell. I've I've heard of it, but yeah, I I was never gonna be you know. Hey, I'm gonna go watch this. This this sounds like something that I would love to watch because I'm a, I'm gonna keep it a buck. It's not something that I uh, I'm gonna go out of my way to to watch. And yeah it, it it had it had a couple of good things in there but uh i can't i can't really um was this written by men or was it written by women i don't know to be honest because i was just thinking it is um, you mentioned it in your notes but you know it's very like boy thing but girls protagonists and girls antagonists for that matter as well 
you know, and it's and I suppose it's it, you, that that kind of shows. I thought it was cool, you know, like Kickass Girls doing like um, spy stuff was 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 obviously quite good. Like like you said, we're not the target demographic, and I think that um, that shows in the way that we're kind of talking about it. But um, uh, yeah, like to be honest, this show wasn't that bad from a you know bloke's perspective, and I can see you know wh- you know why there would be like a uh, like a gap in the market for this sort of thing with like you said with the lack of girl girl heroes out there um i suppose the writers were robert and michelle lamoureux so was that a french guy or is that a woman well robert and michelle so i'm probably thinking husband and wife i mean i suppose that's that's, that's all right isn't it my point was like you know and i was just guessing and obviously i was wrong that you know if it's an all-male writing team putting together something for little girls and that's probably not the way to go um as we've we've experienced so much in like black history month and stuff like that yeah but you know you're absolutely right this is the message of the show is good girls who are studying at school and they're being kick-ass girls outside of it that's a good message to uh to tell it you know they didn't dwell on that much it was literally just like no, this bit's this bit now this bit now we're here now we're there and now we're finishing up. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like, it, it didn't feel too laggy for me. Um, it, the the storyline was definitely well-driven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, the message of it was good. Everything for the target audience, I think it did its job. Uh-huh. I think, I think all the shows this week did. That's one good thing I'll say yeah. about everything. They they did, they did do, they did do its job. So, uh, in, in in that respect, then fair enough. It's it's it's, it's all it's all it's all good in the hood. So uh, let's talk about episodes. All right. So I I watched episodes one and then episode sixteen, and they're the only two that I watched. So the first notes I wrote was pretty cool. Not fan of James Bond, but I like the female twist, and I like that they kept their femininity and they were still cool. So they kept they were still girls and they were still women whilst they were kicking ass rather than have to compromise on something to be able to do that. Do you know what I mean? So I thought that was quite cool. Um, anyway, so uh, episode one, everyone loves a song by Ricky Mattis and the girls are planning to go out. Clover sees a guy and instantly falls in love with him. They get taken for a mission to find out why Ricky Mattis is so popular. Um, and then they did the gadgets like James Bond bit. They go to the UK to support his concert. They figure out there's something weird going on with the CD and he lip syncs. He doesn't actually sing sing the songs himself. Um, Clover gets exposed to the hypno music and becomes infatuated with him. They go to the hideout of the baddie in Brazuela, I think it was. And and it, it basically it was like uh, something South American-y is what I got the impression of that they wanted to go for there. Um, so like Venezuela, Brazil, and you know something south, something south, something South Americany. Um, girls figure out where the baddies' hideout is, and they hear a plan to broadcast a concert to the world, which will hypnotize them and take over the world. They find out they found, sorry, they get found and get locked in a sound booth, but use their spy instruments to break out of it. Girls take down a hind helicopter, and it, and it makes it so the baddies are in the hypno beam. They all go back to America, and now Clover's not interested in the man, but then a new in men, sorry, but then a new one comes along, and it's kind of like a big loop at the beginning. So that was episode one. Uh, next did episode, you uh, make a note of the lyrics of the song? Uh, I did not. I'm Ricky. I'm your master. Follow me as I spread disaster. 
take over the government, do as I say, I'll rule the world and you'll obey. <laughs> yeah, I knew it was something like that. Episode 16. Um, this was probably slightly more annoying than the first episode. So um, honeybee cheerleaders get kidnapped, uh, bus and all. They literally just like pick up the bus and off they go. Uh, Sam wants to enter a spelling bee and Mandy hired three pros to help her win instead so she's like hired like this guru and this scientist and this um, other geezer to help them uh the girls go to their headquarters and get briefed on a mission to basically find out where the honeybees have gone and they have to go into a cheerleading competition so they go to the cheerleading place and everyone hates the honeybees so like they're looking for a motive but everyone hates them because they're like the um the winners year in year out uh, then the black widows come in and then there's this weird evil woman they win but the woman is a robot and then i said that's a load of rubbish because i've seen the robots that can't even climb stairs so being able to cheerlead robot is we're a long 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 way off that um a big explosion in the building and then the um the girls go into super duper mode they get on their cat suits and they jump onto the spider helicopter they end up in nevada desert so i'm guessing like kind of area 51 and alex and alex clover and sam oh his hero alex got black hair clover's got blonde hair and the other one's got some orange hair sam sam oh yes i put same <laughs> sam's got orange hair so they sneak into um they sneak in to see the girls uh training in a rifle range um and shooting and fighting they get caught um the woman wants to win so she could go to world champs and kill everyone. And it turns out her motive was she tried out for the honeybees once and she didn't get in because she wasn't sweet enough. So she decides to take over the world, right? That's uh, as you do. Yeah. I mean, it's good a motive as any, I guess. Um, they're getting laser zapped in the head so that they um, forget everything. Then they use this helmet spray. It makes her hair stand out, which breaks the thingy. They make it to world champs. They fight with the robots. They win. Uh, the honeybees come out of nowhere. And then say, like, thanks for rescuing us. But they literally didn't. This this bit blew my mind because for the whole thing, they were like, let's go and get the honeybees. Didn't mention the honeybees again. And then right at the end, the honeybees come out of nowhere as if like they'd been rescued by them. Weird. Um, anyway, so uh, Mandy gets... Um, Ma uh, Mandy, back, back at school, Mandy gets nervous and she doesn't want to do a spelling bee. Sam's not nervous. The end of episode 16. So, yeah, that was my version of Totally Spice. By the way, the pilot was called A Thing for Musicians. Okay, so I went on to Season 3, Episode 2, Freaky Circus Much. So, basically, okay, so what happens in this one? There's a carnival right by Lake Ontario, and it starts off with a couple getting swept away by this creepy ride. And so... It starts with that, and then the theme tune plays along. The show had like about 300 different theme songs. Every episode I watched, it was like a different theme song. It was very un, it was very forgettable, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's no Bertha, right? Okay, so there's basically cameras in the spy house, in the spy's house, and it's causing a nuisance. And it's because Clover signs the girls up for a reality TV show called Beverly Hills Glamour Girls. And basically, the other two are like, what the hell are you doing bringing these cameras here? We don't want them here. Get them out of here. And the producers, obviously, they love it because obviously they're thinking, oh, my God, reality TV. People are fighting. This is going to be great stuff. And they get summoned by Jerry, 
one thing I did like is how Jerry would find different ways to um, summon them or call them. Yeah, it'd come out of nowhere, right? It'd literally be like, just as they're about to do something in the main storyline, it flips up and they go straight down into the secret Yeah, they just fall into a ditch somewhere and then that, that's always uh, hilarious. And yeah, so basically they have to investigate what 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 the heck is going on in Toronto. And then obviously they're like, oh, Toronto, Toronto, I'm so excited about maple syrup. Yay, and all this stuff. And they get given their fancy little gadgets. So obviously the, each episode they're always given this sort of gadgets. And yeah, they go to the carnival where the couples go missing. It's some weird, freaky stuff. And Sam's hand ends up turning into a claw. And we learn it's basically Carnival Diablo. It's basically this freaky carnival that just does some freaky stuff. They follow the carnival to Brazil. And they're seeing that people are getting snatched and they go after them. And Alex turns into a fish. And Clover turns into an elephant. And Sam gets away and tries to get help. The ringmaster turns as a result. I think it's a, a mirror-changing DNA structure. So basically, the ringmaster is turning people into these different kinds of animals or, or freaks. The carnival ends up going to Paris. And everybody's all trapped in cages. Sam comes and saves them all. And they're obviously having a big fight with the ringmaster. They cut the power, but somehow the ringmaster has backup. See, that's a villain that used his common sense. You know, these goodies will come in and they'll try and switch off the power, but got to have backup, yo. And Alex is basically destroying the mirrors and Sam takes care of the ringmaster. Clover basically and the tv producers who followed them they're all in this kind of like cage and clover's just being really really annoying and the tv producers are just like oh my god shut up get away everything's back to normal and they're watching uh beverly hills glamour girls but instead of having the spies they have mandy on the show their rival oh dum 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 and then I went on to season five, episode two, Evil Roommate. And so it starts off with a, a new girl called Ling. And she's starting her first day at Malibu University. And that's where the girls are. Obviously, they're all, they've all grown up. New theme song, new everything. Everything's all new, new. And so, yeah, Ling is starting uh, college. She's a, a, a academically gifted student. And then... Her very first thing, she ends up getting trapped in a lift. And yeah, the spies are excited about their first day of university. Jerry's lecturing them about the importance of, oh, you have to go to university. You have to find yourself. You have to do this and this. And they're like, oh my God, I'm so bored. And they go to their dorm room, but it's not the greatest. And Sam has to share a room with a girl called Stacy. She's a sophomore, which I'm guessing means that she's in her second year. Obviously, freshman means the first year and sophomore means the second year, I believe, Americans. You can correct me if I'm wrong and you can scold me if you like. And yeah, they basically uh, have to go and choose their courses. This thing about American colleges that I don't get. So obviously, when we apply to uni, we kind of know what we're doing. All we have to then do is just kind of pick our classes to kind of complement our degrees. 
But I think in America, you just go to college and you just pick whatever takes your fancy. You can major in that's when you major in something in your final year, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in here, you literally say, I want to go and study TV, and you go and study TV. I, I want to go and study medicine, and study medicine. I think you have to know what you want to do before you go, right, here? Yeah. No, because, for example, like me, I did uh, international relations in Arabic, and obviously once I'm at the uni, I get to pick certain modules that I want to do or I have to do. So I think a couple that I can pick. So... If against my better judgment, I pick European politics and sleep through the lectures every Thursdays, as I did, then uh, I guess I can do that. Or if I picked international political economy, oh my God, that was the most boringest lecture I've been in my life. I got an amazing grade. I don't know how, but I fell asleep. I did not make any kind of notes. Anyway, 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 where are my notes? And so Sam and Stacy end up being in the uh, the same class. Sam basically she's a, a whiz kid and gets all the questions right. And Stacy ain't happy with her. And Clover she she picks surfology as one of her classes. She thinks it's fun, but all they're doing is theory. And then Alex she's at basket weaving, but she isn't particularly good. Sam sees basically this robot machine thing kidnapping one of the kids. She tries to uh, save them, but doesn't get to them in time. Sam ends up being very suspicious of Stacy, but the others don't seem to buy it because obviously Stacy's like, hey, I'm a sophomore and all this stuff. And all the other girls are going, yeah, she's fine. Don't worry about it, Sam. And then, yeah, so, and then Stacy just basically switches on um, Sam going, oh, you made me look like a right mug in class. Don't talk to me. I don't want to hear nothing from you and all this stuff. And then Sam's like, yeah, okay. And then she's just basically looking at the Stacy's computer. And she basically does some digging. And she finds a list of all the missing students. And she finds this weapon. And she finds the missing students all locked up. Like in the in the underground of the on of the university. I've got a lot of get out vibes from this i don't know if you've ever seen get out no i think so but yeah the whole idea of oh i'm gonna basically steal the best features of someone so that i can kind of be better sort of thing if you haven't seen get out dude then you need to watch get out it's a it's a must watch film it's one it's it's one for y'all but yeah you basically Stacy wants to suck their brains out and she wants to be the smartest girl in school and she has Sam trapped. Jerry does a whoop landing for Clover and Alex but obviously they're like, oh, we don't know where uh, Sam is and then they realise that she's in the basement of uh, the dorm room. Clover and Alex try to save Sam but they run into Stacy and she's basically using all these different weapons to try and fight back. Stacy's stealing more students and Clover and Alex are basically following the screams. They manage to apprehend Stacy and Jerry's like, you know what, fine, I'm going to build you guys a penthouse dorm room and you guys can stay there for... Uh... It's basically for your own good. And the last episode I watched was called Solo Spies. And obviously it starts with someone getting kidnapped and then the girls are doing yoga. Jerry interrupts them. 
and he basically tells them that they're going to be solo spies and that they can't live together in the penthouse. The girls are really, really upset because they're like, we've been together forever. Why would you want to split us up? But Jerry's saying, you know what? This is for your own good. You're going to develop skills being independent. And Mandy ends up moving to the penthouse. And yeah, the girls all get summoned because agents are all going missing. They're all sent to different locations to look into each disappearance. And they're not even allowed to have one last group hug. Clover is in London to basically look into Kip's disappearance. Alex has to go to Canada to look for one of the other ones. Sam is in the desert looking for Reynaldo. And Mandy's basically having a party in the penthouse and she's enjoying it. And yeah, they all basically have to stay in different dorm rooms. And yeah, Alex is calling the other girls going, oh my God, I hate these rooms. And they're trying to sort of fix the time when they can catch up. But their schedules are all over the place. And we learn that it's basically uh, an evil person called Fangirl who catches the spies and wants to turn them into dolls. And Fangirl is basically a collector of everything new and she wants to collect all of the spies because they have a huge following online. And yeah, so she basically ends up catching all three, Clover, Sam and um, Alex. And she says, you know what? I want to make you all fight. And the winner gets to have a nice big box with lots of airs. And obviously the girls are like, this is the only time we've seen each other properly. So they're basically all catching up. And then Fangirl is making them all fight. And they uh, basically team up and they switch off the power. And the other spies are all coming out of their box. She has a toy called Volterra. And it turns big and it attacks the spies. And once the electric is turned on, the Volterra doll is done for. And the girls realize that they are always going to be better as a team and not solo. And Jerry agrees with them and basically tells them, you know what, fine, you're always going to be a team. And I was wrong to try and split you up. The girls move back into the penthouse. And yeah, I think their catchphrase was totally. Yeah. And yeah, that was uh, totally spies. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was fine, and yeah, that was the uh, the end of that. Winx Club now, and this show came out in January two thousand four, and some of the things happening in the world. The RMS Queen Mary two, at the time the largest ocean liner ever built, is christened by its namesake's granddaughter, Queen Elizabeth II. The World Wildlife Fund UK reports that the orangutan is in danger of becoming extinct within the next 20 years because of commercial logging and clearance for oil palm plantations. NASA's MERA and MERB, the Spirit and Opportunity spacecraft, lands on the surface of Mars. Along came Polly, was in the cinemas, and good luck by The Basement Jacks and Lisa Kakula was in the charts. Winx Club. This was a Italian animated series co-produced by Rainbow Spa and Nickelodeon. It was created by Eugenio Straffi. I hope I said the name right. And the show is set in a magical universe that is inhibited by fairies, witches and other mythical creatures. 
The main character is a fairy warrior named Bloom who enrolls at Althea College to train and hone her skills. Ignin Ig Eginio Eginio, yeah, Eginio or Eginio Straffi. I'm really butchering your name, man. Sorry. Initially outlined the show's plot to last only three seasons. He continued. He chose to continue the story for a fourth season in 2009, and around the time, Winks Club's popularity attracted the attention of American media company Viacom, owner of Nickelodeon, and Viacom purchased 30% of the show's animation studio, Rainbow Spa, and Nickelodeon began producing a revival series. And to attract an American audience, Viacom assembled a voice cast of Nickelodeon actors, including. Elizabeth Gillies and Ariana Grande. <laughs> I will about that. Ariana Grande. Who knew? You know her, right? Yeah, yeah, I know of her. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for the longest time, no, I didn't even hear of her. I only heard of her in um, after the uh, Manchester bombings. Because uh, yeah. it was her concert, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, that's probably where her name was becoming, like, was all over the news, right? She felt really bad because obviously it happened during her concert and it was like, mm. you've got nothing to feel bad about. It's just a bunch of scumbags who... Yeah, she was just like an unfortunate um, backdrop for the whole thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and she organised this big concert as well to kind of... Yeah, did like, she do like a relief fund for the families and stuff like that? Yeah, so yeah. Like, she did yeah. like this big old concert thing and became like this incredible hero to the uk and i was like yeah she's spot on she's kind of all right i i was watching i think you know what? yeah she she's 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 all right for for doing all of that and she became like uh an adopted brit almost after that uh after the whole thing and that's how i kind of got to know her but yeah prior to that i had no idea who she was and uh no big ups to ariana grande and it's Women's History Month as well, so uh, celebrate heroes like Ariana Grande this month. And yeah, they basically invested a ton of money in advertising for the series and inducted Winx Club into Nickelodeon's franchise of Nicktoons. And yeah, it follows the adventures of a group of girls known as the Winx, students at the Althea College for Fairies, who turn into fairies to fight villains. The team is made up of Bloom, the red-haired leader with fire-based powers, Stella, the fairy of the sun, Flora, the fairy of nature, Tecna, the fairy of technology, Musa, the fairy of music, and Aisha, the fairy of waves. Roxy, the fairy of animals, occasionally joins the Winx, and all three of the show's production companies name her as the Winx Club's seventh member, Obviously, if you're listening to this in a no context style and you're hearing the word fairies being thrown around often, because I think nowadays fairies has a, a bad connotation, it's all part of the show, all right? It's part of the show. I ain't just bandying the word fairies to describe people, all right? The main male characters are called specialists and they're a group of students at the Red Fountain School who are also the Winx fairies' boyfriends, and they include Bloom's fiance Sky, Stella's fiance Brandon, Flora's boyfriend Helia, Techna's boyfriend Timmy, and Musa's boyfriend Riven. And unlike their female counterparts, the specialists do not have magical powers and instead train how to fight using laser weapons. 
The Winks and Specialist's most common adversaries are a trio of witches called the Tricks, Icy, Darcy, and Stormy, all former students of the Cloud Tower School. Winks Club is set in a vast universe that has several dimensions. Most episodes take place in the magic dimension, which is closed off to ordinary people and inhabited by creatures from European mythology like fairies, witches, and monsters. The capital of this world is the city of Magics, which is located on the planet of the same name, where the three main magic schools are situated. The other planets of the magic dimension include Bloom's home planet Domino, Stella's home planet Solaria, Flora's home planet of Lymphia, Techna's home planet Zenith, Musa's home planet Melody, and Aisha's home planet Andros. Some episodes take place on Earth, Roxy's home planet, and where Bloom spent her childhood. During the 1990s, comic artist Eugenio Straffi noticed that cartoon action were mostly focused on male heroes, and at the time, he felt that the cartoon world was devoid of female characters. I'll say. Straffi hoped to introduce an alternative show with a female lead aged 16 to 18, as he was interested in exploring the psychological side of the transition into adulthood, he decided to develop a pilot centered on the conflict between two rival colleges, one for fairies and another for witches. Straffy compared his original premise to a sort of Oxford-Cambridge rivalry <laughs> in a magical dimension. In expanding the concept, Eugenio Straffy drew his inspiration from Japanese manga and the comics of Sergio Bonelli. The series' visuals were a mixture of Japanese anime and European elements, which Straffi called the trademark rainbow style. The main character's final designs are based on Straffi's original sketches, which were modelled on celebrities popular at the turn of the 21st century. And in an interview, Straffi stated that Britney Spears served as an inspiration for Bloom, Cameron Diaz for Stella, Jennifer Lopez for Flora, Pink for Techna, Lucy Liu for Musa, and Beyonce for Aisha. And this approach was part of Straffi's aim for the fairies to represent the women of today. And according to Straffi, music plays a crucial role in the series. Original pop songs in the style of Britney Spears and Beyonce have been recorded in about 40 languages for the show. Frequent composers for the program include... Michelle Batali, Stefano Carrara, Fabrizio Castagna, and Maurizio D'Anelio. Okay, apologies, Italian listeners, if I've butchered those names. Upon its debut, Winx Club was a ratings success. During its first season in 2004, the series became one of the highest rated programs on Rai 2, with an average audience share of 17% among viewers 4 to 14 years old. The average share was 45%. In France and Belgium, the season reached a 56% share among 10 to 14-year-olds. On Nickelodeon UK, Winx Club increased the network's ratings by 58% on its launch weekend in September 2011, ranking as the second most popular program on the channel and the most popular show with females aged 7 to 15. In a New York Times article, Bocconi University professor Paola Dubny stated that the themes and characters of Winx Club appeal to both 
the target audience and their parents. Dubini wrote that the fairies defined and dif- defined and different personalities made them relatable to viewers. Common Sense Media reviewer Tara Swords gave the show a three-star review, calling it a imaginative story with a bold, take-charge heroines while arguing that the show is hindered by its design elements. Winx Club ad- attracted academic interest for its representation of gender roles. In the Journal of Volgograd State University, Russian sociologists Georgi Antonov and Elena Latyukina judged that female characters in the series are depicted as dominant, while males are shown to be passive. And writing for Kobadino Balkarian State University, Zelina Dokova and Tatiana Cheprakova stated that the series conveys both positive and negative stereotypes, citing the opposite personalities of Stella and Aisha. They wrote that Stella's character incorporates stereotypically feminine passions for shopping and clothes, while Aisha represents a more realistic character with an interest in male-dominated sports. Rhodes University professor Jean Prinsler wrote in 2014 that Winx Club episodes present complex narratives with active female protagonists and positive relationships that validate girl power. In an interview with the newspaper Coriella della Serra, psychotherapist Gianna Scheletto told that the positive aspects like friendship guide female viewers away from supermodels to which the commercial world drags them and also positively talking about the show's feminist themes and commending how the characters expose narcissistic masculinity. In 2004, the Walt Disney Company filed an unsuccessful copyright infringement lawsuit against Rainbow. The company accused Rainbow of copying the Winx concept from its Witch comic book, which was published over a year after production on Winx Club had begun. Disney applied for an injunction order to halt the further release of the Winx Club series and comic magazine to declare the Winx Club trademark invalid and to seize the periodical film material bearing the allegedly infringing Winx Club name. Rainbow won the case against Disney, and the judge declared that there were no confusing similarities between the two. Straffy mentioned that the Winx Club pilot entered production by 2000, while the Witch comic was not released until May 2001. In 2004, all of Disney's infringement claims were rejected by the Tribunale de Bologna's specialized commercial matters department which deemed them unfounded the suit later became subject of a commercial law seminar at the university of maserata and when uh, ignicio ignino straffi was interviewed in io donna about the legal battle he was asked how it felt to be one of disney's most hated people and he answered as the founder of a small animation studio I was glad to have defeated a massive conglomerate and I feel a certain pride in having annoyed such a giant. It's inspiring. And as a result of the lawsuit, Straffy has avoided doing any business with Disney Corporation. He commented in 2014, they've lost the chance to explore our creativity. Yeah, so uh, Federico Vassellino described the series as a destructive and constructive phenomenon that introduced viewers to feminist stories about rebellious female characters. And a 2019 study 
conducted for the Corriere della Sera reported that the Winx Club was the fourth most popular Italian series outside of the country with strong demand in Russia and the United States. And yeah, apparently, yeah, they were considered the, the program's characters to be a real icon of fashion and noted the show's popularity with cosplayers, performance artists who wear their costumes and accessories to represent the, the show's characters. So, Winx Club. Right, should we go on to episodes? Oh, so this is your bike and mice from Mars, is it? This one, I can see that. I can see that my niece would have liked this when she was younger if it'd been on. But yeah, this is annoying from start to finish, man. Like, I don't. You mentioned something in the notes about parents and or adults can watch this as well. That's a load of rubbish. This was beyond painful for me to watch. Um, even like even to the like the the high pitched annoying voices of the fairies was like, come on, man, like just. Yeah, and then the whole storyline starts with the parents are like, "All right, you can go off with this fairy to this magic land." That just seems like bad parenting to me. Well, not really, because obviously we learn that uh, her mum is basically the queen of the fairies, and she, you know, fell in love with a bloke and decided to live a, a muggle life. So that's where that stems from. This was, yeah, this is quite possibly one of the worst cartoons I've ever watched. This was 20 minutes long. I struggled through one episode and that was my, that was me done for this one. Wow. Um, I don't obviously feel as strongly as you do. Nothing nothing will ever... It, it would, it'll have to take something really special to beat Biker Mice on Mars for me. Look, I've, I've watched through... I've sat through bad cartoons. Um, or, uh, hey, let me preface that. I, like, I sat through cartoons that I didn't like but could have been good and were successful with their target audience. And one thing that's very successful that I didn't like was Paw Patrol. And that was worse than Paw Patrol for me. My niece absolutely loved Paw Patrol growing up. And it was literally like, what do you want to stick on? Okay, Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol. All right, shall we watch something else? You know, like I'm sure there's paint drying on another channel. No, Paw Patrol, Paw Patrol. And uh, so I had to sat through episodes of, of that. But anyway, like this was like, yeah, this was kind of worse than that for me. Um, but you know what, right? When I say that Biker Mice on Mars stunk, I've got basis. I can back it up. Because you know why? People weren't watching that show. Whereas this, however, numbers don't lie, man. You saw when I read those numbers. It was one of Nickelodeon's highest rated shows in this country. It was one of the highest rated shows in Europe, in uh, America. It was people, people loved this show so i can understand that people you know the kids would have liked the shows and you know and they would have been able to watch it but i like definitely disagree with the when you said about the adults can watch it as well because that's just not true um, did i say something about adults watching it yeah you said that did so I say not, it for the other show no yeah the other show as well but this show you said at the beginning something about like adults can watch it too or something like that um i disagree with that statement i think that the, uh, this is one for the kids and the, and the parents to almost do anything else uh, but yeah, it's like I said, it's just there's so much that I personally don't like about this show that I can't stand about this show. Um, I feel exactly the same with Totally Spies. There was some good things in there, a couple of good things. They, 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 they do teach kids about uh, life and death. And obviously, if you want to be a 
a kick-ass girl. You don't have to necessarily... They might be called fairies. And obviously, like I was saying about how fairies has this uh, rep for being uh, soft or whatever. But obviously, they're called fairies, but they're the ones that are kicking butt. That's that's one uh, redeeming feature, one tangible of this show, is that, yeah, they might be called fairies, but they will kick butt and they will take names and they will... uh, defeat their adversaries every every single time and this was a obviously like i said it's the first italian program that we're doing so uh the fact that uh it's not it's not necessarily getting the best review i mean that's a not a great start italy not a great start should i do my one yeah go for it it's basically called I even wrote it. I even got the Italian. So it's basically Una Fata a Gardenia, which means an unexpected event. It feels like magic. Right. So first note was annoying theme. Niece would have loved this. And yeah, it's the the pet sidekick, man. What is it with like the girl shows and the pet sidekick? Ah, oh, that thing was annoying, whatever it was. Um. So anyway, Bloom's off to school. Mum wakes her up. She's 16. And turns out it's the school holidays. And she doesn't need to be up. Um, Dad buys her a bike, but th- she thinks she's getting a scooter. She's not happy about it. Then she goes around and Misty, like the resident baddie, is showing off her holiday and new scooter. Uh, Misty goes into the park and Kiko comes scared after running off. Uh, in the park, Silent Moon Fairy is fighting with an ogre. The ghouls attack her when she stops. Bloom goes and stops the fairies getting beat up. She accidentally uses magic she didn't know she had to defeat them. Ogre and the baddies go back and report what's happened to the big boss. Uh, Bloom takes the fairy home. It's Stella. She know she shows Bloom's parents that she's a fairy, and Stella thinks she is too. Stella, who's Stella? Stella teaching Molly to use magic, uh, not Molly, um, Bloom's Bloom to use magic. Uh, Baddie's looking for her on Earth. They go, and then um, uh, Stella and Molly go to a, I say Molly, Bloom go to a postcard. The Baddie's come to the house. The fairies go into kick-ass mode, and the specialists get called, which are the guys you were talking about. Um, Bloom goes to the magic place um, to learn about magic. My last note is, this is my bike mice from Mars. Yeah, that was a 20-minute episode. Felt like an hour. That was tough. Tough watch. Yeah, because obviously, yeah, like you were saying, uh, her mum believed that she was this uh, this fairy and, and, and things like that nature. Obviously, her dad is like, what the hell are you talking about, fairy? I don't want her to go to this new world on her own, Althea Castle. And obviously, the mum was like, yeah, I believe her. And obviously, within reason, because obviously, she is the... Uh, She's the queen of the fairies. And so I went all the way to season four, episode 26, which is Ghiaccio e Fucho, which is ice and fire, deal in the Omega dimension. And so, yeah, obviously this was one of those previously on Weeks Club and basically the wizards of the Black Circle are running away from uh, Aisha and uh, Nebula. I don't know why I wrote Layla down. I don't know why I wrote that down. Anyway, and yeah, they're basically uh, running, running, running. And so they basically save Nebula from uh, the bad guys. And the queen is congratulating Nebula 
and they're celebrating a new day of peace and everybody's saying oh Winx Club you guys are the best and they have to release the fairies to make the world a brighter place because uh, the queen like I said she wants to go back to Gardenia to be with her husband Nabula is appointed the queen and Morgana is reunited with Klaus and the Winx fairies are heading back home Morgana explains everything and yeah she was a fairy all she basically explains to a bloom that yeah she was a fairy all along and decided to get married and yeah so they're basically back in their uh in their real world and they've got a uh, animal they've basically got a, a clinic where they nurse animals back to health and they're also, as well as kick-ass fighting crime, they're also a girl band and they're basically performing at a concert and they uh, have their decision to make and uh, they're like, you know what, we want to do music and we want to, you know, have our pet shop where we can look after animals and uh, Aisha joins them in Gardenia because obviously she wanted to stay and find out about her man Nabu because he was killed by the bad guys and yeah so the the fairies decide you know what we want to live our dreams and live our best life and the last episode I watched was Il Totem Magico or the Magic Totem and the Ice Queen kidnaps Helia and one of the fairies is basically chasing after them and determined to keep up with the queen and she manages to catch up and save Helia the uh, other fairies are surrounded by human werewolves and Thora comes back with Helia and has a way to break the curse Helia is frozen solid but comes back to life thanks to Aisha the mayor is very grateful for this and everyone is celebrating and yeah, so what they're playing all these like cool little games, and one of them is they have to burst the orbs of light, and it's like a pinata, but instead of getting sweets, they get turned into animals. So that's a, a weird pinata. And Helia basically has a mood change, and he's attacking one of his friends, and we find out it's because he has an icy fragment in his heart, and it just can't be burned away. And the Ice Queen comes along and basically turns the entire city into ice. And so the fairies are going to fight back. And Flora is basically trying to go after the uh, the Ice Queen. But uh, she falls off and she summons Mother Nature to do her thing. And Flora brings out all the spring flowers and it fixes Helia. They have to go to the totem. And yeah, so this is part of a, a long term storyline and they have to basically get a piece of the totem and they have to like find this legendarium thing and bloom now has the key and the ice queen goes back and she's basically the laughing stock among her among her villain peers and they're going ha 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 look at you you done messed up you stupid girl ha 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 look at you and she's like obviously the the final part of the clue has to go through the ice queens and she's saying you know what haha laugh at me now but i've got the book and they have to go through me to get this book 
And yeah, that's how that episode ends. And that's how Winx Club came to an end. Well, it didn't come to an end. There was still a, a bunch of, uh, still some more episodes, but I wasn't going to go and watch them. And yeah, that was uh, the Winx Club. Yeah, I ain't got much else to say about it, to be honest. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Uh, and I didn't think it was that bad of a show. And I did reach out to uh, Senor Straffio. So uh, please don't listen to Producer Paul. <laughs> maybe, th- maybe, yeah, maybe like just mute my entire conversation. I will, I will, I will, I will disassociate. I'll be like, I don't even know this guy. I'll be like, I don't even know this guy. Don't worry about it. I did say that, you know, that my niece would have loved it. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't slate the show as itself, right? I just said that it's definitely not for me. Yeah, you did. Okay, you were, really you were, you were brutal, man. <laughs> I might have to put the, uh, the, uh, the little E sign on this episode. <laughs> You were brutal, man. It didn't have to be like this, man. But uh, no, like I said, I, I, I didn't hate this show. I didn't. Uh, we have covered much worse shows than Winx Club. But but not many. I could think of about three, four shows that we've done that is uh, infinitely worse than this. The Adventures of What's-His-Name. Don't even try that. <laughs> don't Don't even go there. You you leave Hannah and Barbera and Johnny Quest alone. Johnny Quest was not bad at all. Johnny Quest is like a cult classic. I'll have you know. But uh, yeah, Biker Mice from Mars, Angela Anaconda. Plenty of stuff that we've done that were worse than Winx Club. Hell, we've probably done it this year in 2021. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it wasn't. Wasn't great though, was it? Anyway, that's my. That's I'm my, not that's... saying it's great. I'm not saying it, I'm. I'm not saying it's great. But you know, playing devil's advocate, a lot of people watch this show. A lot, a lot of people watch this show, and a lot, a lot of people. I, I think cosplaying. I don't. At, at the risk of alienating people, I don't. You know, cosplaying is not for me. It's not something that I would do. But a lot, a lot of people cosplay as a. Being a fairy in Winx Club, it's very, very popular and culty. So it's not one of those where we might not have liked it, but you know what? The whole world and his wife did like this show. So uh, I'll have to give its due in that I mean, respect. I, I'm really surprised it goes as far as to cosplay because I'm honestly thinking that it should have just been like dressing up. At this point, you know, with the with the with the demographic that should be watching this show, I don't think it should have gone that far. If I'm honest, I'm surprised, very surprised to hear that. Well, it did go that far, and uh, if you ever ever go to Comic Con, then uh, don't be surprised to uh, catch people wearing uh, silly little fairy clothing and things of that nature. The Legend of Korra now, and uh, this show came out in April 2012. And some of the things happening in the world. The National Movement for the Liberation of Azawad unilaterally declares the independence of Azawad from Mali. Former Liberian President Charles Taylor is found guilty on 11 counts of aiding and abetting war crimes and crimes against humanity during the Sierra Leone Civil War. You'll like this one. 
The 158th boat race between Oxford and Cambridge is stopped mid-race due to a swimmer in the water. And after a clash of oars at the restart, Cambridge demolished Oxford to win that race. Big up the Cambridge. The Avengers was in the cinemas. And please tell me you know this. Call Me Maybe by Carly Rae Jepsen was number one in the charts. I just met you. Call me crazy. Something, something. Call me maybe. What happened to her, man? I ain't never seen her after that song. <laughs> I mean... Well, she fell off or something? One hit wonder, man. You just take your money and do what you need to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, yeah, that's, that's, that's true, actually. Made, probably made a million with this song. That's me done. If I, if I do something like that, that's me done. I'm like, yeah, see ya. No, I don't want to be a one hit wonder. If I'm a musician, I want, I want people to recognize more than one song. If this is my life's work, if I've made an album and it's my life's work, I want people to recognize each and every one of the songs, not just one. Not just one catchy bop. But you've got to be some stellar musician for people to know even more than one of your songs, right? I guess. I mean, you've That's got to the be whole like. Point. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that there's not actually that many singers or bands in that where you get you actually can think of like more than one song. Yeah, you can. Only you can't because you don't know. I mean, I know sod all. <laughs> but you can think of many, many songs of an artist that are, that they've done. All right, let me put it a different way. There's 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 quite a few artists where you can only name one of their songs. But it depends on who that artist is. Yeah. But what I'm saying is there's quite a few that will like go do drop one and then just drop off. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's there's plenty of uh Rick Astley for one. I think he had more than one. Yeah, I know, but name me one one other of his songs. Point is, I've seen when I've when I've um no, because sometimes I watch Top of the Pops 2 on a BBC four. Like it's like eleven thirty, you got nine to watch. Just stick on BBC four and then they show Top of the Pops 2. And Rick Astley was on. And he was not singing Never Gonna Give You Up. I mean, yeah. Uh, Tough for Pops 2 is probably more of where my music taste would lie, to be honest. So, I mean, I can... <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, yeah, that... Yeah, obviously, you you didn't watch Top of the Pops much to your great shame. But, obviously, Top of the Pops is, like, the pinnacle of artists. This is like, oh, man, if I'm on Top of the Pops, I made it big. This is this is this is the the, the 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 thing. I want to be on top of the pops. I want to sing on top of the pops, and it's like revered all around the world. And obviously, I think Top of the Pops is like one of the oldest shows around because it was around in the sixties. Anyway, the Legend of Korra. So uh, it's also known as Avatar: The Legend of Korra, and it was a uh, American animated TV series created by. Brian Konietzko and Michael Dante DiMartino. And it's a sequel to the previous series, Avatar The Last Airbender. And as with its predecessor, the series is set in a fictional universe in which people can manipulate or bend the elements of water, earth, fire, or air. And only one person, the Avatar, can bend all four elements and is responsible for maintaining balance in the world. The series follows Avatar Korra, the successor from Aang from the previous series, as she faces political and spiritual unrest in a modernizing world. Unlike his predecessor, The Legend of Korra received critical acclaim, and the series has been lauded for its writing and production values. 
and has been nominated for and won awards such as the Annie Awards, a Daytime Emmy Award and a Gracie Award. And the series was also praised for addressing socio-political issues such as social unrest and terrorism. So it's set in the fictional world 70 years after the events of uh, Avatar The Last Airbender and the people of the world belong to four nations, the Water Tribes, the Earth Kingdom, the Fire Nation and the Air Nomads. And the distinguishing element of the series is bending, the ability of some people to telekinetically manipulate the classical element associated with their nation. And bending is carried out by spiritual and physical exercises portrayed as similar to martial arts. As a result of a genocide in the series backstory, there is only one living family of airbenders at the time of the series, and only one person, the Avatar, can bend all four. Cynically reincarnating among the world's four nations, the Avatar maintains peace and balance in the world. The legend of Korra focuses on Avatar Korra, who is a 17-year-old girl from the Southern Water Tribe and the successor of Avatar Aang. The first season is set mostly in Republic City, the capital of the United Republic of Nations, a new multicultural sovereign state founded by Avatar Aang at the end of The Last Airbender. The 1920s-inspired metropolis is described as if Manhattan had happened in Asia, by the series creators and its residents are united by their passion for pro-bending, a spectator sport in which two teams composed of an earthbender, waterbender, firebender throw each other out of the ring using bending techniques. Rapid technological growth has displaced the spirituality of bending and what was considered a renowned martial art in Avatar, the last airbender is now commonplace with benders in Republic City using their abilities to commit crime, compete in spectator sports and fulfill everyday jobs. And the second season adds the Southern Polar region, home of the Southern Water Tribe as a main setting in addition to Republic City, while the third and fourth series take place largely in the Earth Kingdom. The fighting styles employed by characters in the original show Avatar The Last Airbender were derived from different distinct styles of Chinese martial arts and set 70 years later the fighting styles in the multicultural republic city has modernized and blended with the creators incorporating three primary styles traditional martial arts mixed martial arts and tricking the series premiere averaged 4.5 million viewers ranking it as basic cables number one kids show and top animated program for the week with total viewers the Legend of Korra also ranks as the network's most watched animated series premiere in three years. On the review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes, the show, the show currently has an average score of 89% based on critic reviews. Its first season holds a score of 91% with an average rating of 8.25 out of 10 based on 11 critic reviews with the website's critical consensus saying The Legend of Korra expands the world of Avatar The Last Airbender with narrative substance and crisp animation and progresses the drama and action with a female lead. The second season holds a score of 67% with an average rating of 8.35 out of 10 based on nine critic reviews. Both Book 3, Change, and Book 4, Balance, receive the score of 100% 
based on nine critic reviews with average ratings 9.5 out of 10 and 9.9 out of 10. David Hinckley of the New York Daily News wrote that the visually striking series is full of little tricks and nuances that only true fans will notice and savior, but nothing prevents civilians from enjoying it as well. Writing for Vulture, Matt Pratchett highlights the second season's loose handheld style cinematography challenging for an animated series with the weird, wonderful, wildly imagined spirits fought by Korra, a kaju parade with beasts that mirror velociraptors. Max Nicholson for IGN described the third season as easily the show's most consistent season to date, delivering complex themes, excellent storylines and unmatched production values. And Oliver Sava for the AV Club characterized it as a truly magnificent season of television, delivering loads of character development, world-building, socio-political commentary, and heart-racing action, all presented with a beautifully smooth animation and impeccable voice acting. The styling of the setting, a fusion of Asian and early 20th century American elements, was noted by critics as beautiful and innovative, but criticized for cultural appropriation by a non-diverse creative team and voice cast, and for jettisoning authentic cultural traditions in favor of embracing white industrialized civilization. Several reviewers noted the socio-political issues that usually for an animated series on a children's channel run through the legend of Korra. According to Forbes, by telling some of the darkest, most mature stories ever animated, the legend of Korra has created a new genre, the world's first animated television drama. And writing for The Escapist, Mike Hoffman noted how the series respected its younger viewers by explicitly showing but also giving emotional weight to the death of major characters, including one of the most brutal and sudden deaths in children's TV. Some of the characters, so yeah, Avatar Korra, she's the incarnation of Aang from the original series. She's athletic, confident and headstrong. She fully embraces and relishes the role as the Avatar but lacked in spiritual development. Mako is a firebender who grew up on the streets of Republic City as an orphan with his younger brother, Bolin, and he's forced to take on adult responsibilities at a young age. He's cynical and he's serious. Bolin is an earthbender who grew up on the streets of Republic City as an orphan with his older brother, Mako, and despite his tough childhood, he's high-spirited, easygoing, and optimistic. Tenzin is the youngest child of Avatar Aang and Katara, and the couple's only airbending child. Tenzin is a traditionalist who works hard to protect and pass on air nomad teachings. Asami is the non-bender only child of a wealthy industrialist, Hiroshi Sato. And after her equalist father was imprisoned following the events of season one, she took over his company, Future Industries. Lin Bayfon is the chief of police of Republic City. And Jinora is the airbender and astral projectionist. She's the first child and eldest daughter of Tenzin and Pima and the granddaughter of Katara and Avatar Ang. So talk about this show. This show was awesome. I mean, I only watched the Netflix Legend of Korra one, but the um yeah, the was was incredible. Um I've I really enjoyed this 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 show. Um I loved the anime style and I also loved this it had really really good sound design. Like the, there's some fighting sequences in there where the, like the the sound design was like just really really good. A very engaging TV show. Um I watched this one last, so I was like 
you know, you know, kind of like oh, okay, right, this is what this was all about. And I thought, like, okay, this is this is damn good. I mean, I I watched the first episode without taking any notes, and I had to go back and kind of retrospectively write them because it was that gripping. But um, and I watched the third episode with no notes at all. Um, so I watched three episodes, and only two of them I wrote notes for. But yeah, this show was 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 really really good. Yeah, I actually agree, and I I, I watched this last as well, and. It was one of those where I thought, oh, my God, I haven't watched two particularly great shows. And, yeah, this this kind of saved the day, really. It, it really saved the day. And I, I thought this was a hell of a show. It was very, very enjoyable. The animation was on point. It wasn't too anime. It was only, like, a little bit, which I, I, I really liked. It was slick. It was nice. It was very, very well done. And yeah, yeah, like this, this was this was a hell of a show. This isn't something that I would normally watch. Obviously, I've heard of um, you know Avatar: The Last Airbender and things like that. And I think yeah, I've even heard of The Legend of Korra, but I, this is something that I would have never have gone out of my way to watch. But no, this was this was a this was a hell of a show. Yeah, I mean, you, you could tell it was kind of like anime thing because of the polar bear dog. That definitely gave it away. Uh, I mean, the thing is, in my notes, I think I wrote, like, she's on something like a polar bear dog, and that's exactly what it was. They just called it a polar bear dog um, throughout, the, <laughs> throughout the entire show. So, yeah, I mean, I wasn't aware of this show. Um, I thought it was a quite a cool concept, though. Um, I didn't understand, the, because obviously, like, not stepping into this, and hearing Avatar for the first time since like 2012 or whenever Avatar the movie came out, um, yeah, it's a bit weird to hear the name again, Avatar, without weird blue people knocking about and looking for unobtainium or whatever the bloody thing's called. Um, <laughs> I watched Avatar in the cinema, yeah, I watched, and all. Yeah, I watched the IMAX. I went to the IMAX and watched it, and I, um, I was sat at the. Yeah, it was too long to sit in a cinema to watch this 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 thing, man. Um, mind you, I'm not sure if if you were actually watching this at home, you'd have understood what the hell is going on. I think they needed that captive audience to actually understand the plot. Um, I still couldn't tell you what happened. All I remember there was a blue thing, and then they jumped on a dragon. It was a bit like Pocahontas. Um, it was basically about American exceptionalism and imperialism, and they want to take over these blue people and. They want to wipe them off the face of the earth and basically steal the natural resources, I believe. So it's basically Pocahontas, right? Apart from it was Americans, not Brits. I don't even remember Pocahontas, if I'm being honest with you. The Brits came, the Brits conquered, and then the Brits took her home. And then that's about it. Right. So, yeah, let's uh, let's go into episodes. Right. So I watched one, two, and three, but three is not minuted. I just kind of blew through three and just watched it as a as a fan. Yeah, so this is chapter one. Welcome to Republic City. Yeah, um, and Avatar Ang died. Now they're looking for a new Avatar. Bora's family's poor, and she can do all this cool stuff. Like she can, she can bend all the elements, and she's kind of like in a tryout situation, and she has to learn to air bend. But um, Tenzin have, um, has to go back to the Republic City. She tries to run away to go back there, and the grandma says, "Like, where are you going? All oh, right, okay, I'll see you later then. Bye." <laughs> which I found quite funny. And then um, then she goes on a polar bear dog. Um, she goes through the town. So she, now she is in the, um, I want to say Imperial City, because that's what it reminds me of, but Republic City, um, goes through the town, 
but causes a ruckus because the dog's hungry. She doesn't have any money. She's in the park. This man lives in a bush and she's fishing and she basically gives him a fish. Then the uh, the guard, the park ranger comes and basically shoos him away. The gangsters, um, these like gangsters like rock up at his shop and start like asking for um, protection money. They're the, like the triple triads. And she like comes in and bashes them all up. The police come, they arrest the baddies, but they also try to arrest her. She runs away and she gets caught in the end. Um, Tenzin comes in and says, and gets her off the hook, but he's got to send her home. But in the end, he lets her stay to learn airbending. And on to episode three, Cora can't airbend. She gets smashes up by this exercise where these little um, things are spinning around. And uh she wants to go to the airbending games it's like basically it's like pro pro airbending tournament that's going on and it's like basically like a sort of dodgeball style thing um she's not allowed to go but she sneaks out and goes to the stadium anyway she finds a big gym and this is where she bumps into bolin um he make it, she gets kind of challenged by this coach guy and he says um and bolin comes and says now she's with me she can stay she watches and there's like the the the, the match like the kind of dodgeball match is cool and i've written it had good sound effects she meets with the guys uh, and gets like training for the basics of how to you know play these games she goes back to the um, airbending training and then she gets annoyed and burns it because she can't airbend one of the guys um, in uh, berlin and mako's team falls out so she fills in with the um with them but she's she's kind of rubbish um she's got to be the airbend so the waterbender but she accidentally kind of makes out my, uh, she air, uh, what does she do? She earth bends, I think, and then everyone knows that she's a new avatar now. Tenzin hears over the radio that she's there. Um, Cora and Tenzin have a fight. She goes back to the match, and she kind of starts to do this air bending stuff and float around. Now she's good. Tenzin cheers. Cora kind of says sorry to him, like sorry I did this behind your back, and then she kind of says, "By the way, I joined the fire ferrets." Bye. Uh, and she's in the pro games episode three, which I didn't write notes on. Um, was kind of the they have to make like thirty three thousand yuan to 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 join it. Uh, so Berlin has to he kind of like makes a deal with the um, triple triads to make some money, and then turns out that they kind of get captured by these equalists that basically want to make it so that bending should be uh, outlawed, and then they have a big fight to rescue Berlin, who's who gets captured by the equalists. Um, and then I forgot what happens in the rest of the episode. But anyway, episode yeah, episode three was really good. Um, I, I can't remember what happened right at the end, but I'm sure it'll be in the episode recap. Yeah, so the Equalists are basically these group of people who are being really violent and they attack the uh, pro-bending arena and Taralok is indiscriminately repressing non-benders. Cora refuses to uh, support him. And in the resulting fight, Tarlok overpowers Korra with blood bending, an illegal form of water bending, and kidnaps her, framing the Equalists. And as Amon arrives at Tarlok's hideout and removes Tarlok's bending, Korra escapes only to find Republic City facing an Equalist conquest. And in the two part finale, naval reinforcements led by Iroh are defeated by Equalist sea mines and biplanes and attempted to find Amon. Korra learns that Taralok and Amon are sons of Yakon, a mob boss defeated 42 years ago by Avatar Ang. And Amon strips Korra of her bending abilities, but Korra reveals her dormant, air mat, dormant 
airbending abilities in a moment of distress and exposes Amon as a waterbender, causing all his followers to desert him and he flees with Tarlok who detonates their boat in the open sea. Despondent, Korra establishes spiritual contact with her predecessor Ang, who restores her bending powers, allowing her to do the same as Amon's other victims. I watched season two, episode one, which was Rebel Spirit. And yeah, it starts off with uh, a ship being taken over by some kind of sea lizard. It starts with uh, a big uh, pro-bending fight night. So the fire ferrets are basically facing the rhino lions and the rhino lions destroy the fire ferrets. And Mako is basically doing some of his police work and he stops the bad guys. And nobody wants to work with future industries. And so they're basically having a plan to try and get that back on top. And Cora is basically messing about with her air, with her sort of skills kind of using it for 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 granted and obviously Tenzon's like yeah you shouldn't be playing about with your uh, powers it's a you need to master airbending and chorus thinking you know what nobody appreciates me I defeated Amon I defeated the big bad guy where's my flowers and all this stuff and then they're all heading off to uh, the South Pole for the Glacier Spirits Festival and the uh, the great chief is basically yeah the great chief of the northern water tribe is coming to visit and the great chief is basically telling cora about kidnappings in the water that's happening and he's offering cora help to fight these spirits and obviously cora's like yeah yeah that sounds like a good idea but tenzon is like yeah you need to stick with your teacher because yeah i'm your teacher like you know don't don't be running off to uh play both sides and yeah they managed to get a uh, a deal done for a future industries so they're basically having a big celebration tenzin's brother and sister are always teasing him and cora is like not happy about how tenzon and her dad uh tonrak i think his name is they're always trying to control Obviously, Cora is going out with Mako. And so she's basically trying to tell him everything. She's going, oh, my God, nobody likes me. Nobody supports me. And obviously, he's like, hey, man, I think they, you know, they care about you and they got your best interests at heart. And so Cora's like, so what side are you on? And, you know, being like every man in the situation, wishing that he never said anything at all. Obviously, he's like, what did I do? I'm just asking you, you ask, you know, you're talking to me. Don't you want my opinion? And she just like storms off in a half. Silly boy, silly boy. And yeah, so uh, the great chief Unalak is basically not happy that tradition isn't being followed. Because obviously the Great Spirits Festival used to be something of great tradition and heritage and all of that. But it's basically one big carnival and everybody's just basically having a knees up and he's saying you know all of this stuff and not following tradition it, it sucks and then i think the spirit thing comes back again and he unalak basically controls the spirits and he's basically saying go in peace and cora was um basically saying you know what i think uh i might i might i might take up unalak's offer 
And then Mako was like, you know what? Okay. Like, you know what? Do, do, do what you need to do. I'll support you no matter what. And then she's like, what's that supposed to mean? And he's obviously like, what the hell, man? Basically, yeah, like I said, the great chief manages to subdue the sea lizard with a bit of airbending and he's offering Korra to help. And Korra's like, you know what? I'm going to go with you and um, I want you to teach me. And so Tenzon's like, you can't go with him. You, you're, I'm your teacher. And then obviously she's like, look, you couldn't even do anything when these spirits came to attack. So I'm basically going to go with this guy. So, uh, yeah. And obviously he's like, okay, I'm going to have to let you go. And then obviously Tenzon's brothers and sisters are like to him, you know what? You need to let her go and you need to come with us because you've got our own spiritual mission. So you need to kind of do your own thing in that, in that, in that respect. And then I watched episode one of series three, A Breath of Fresh Air. So uh, in this episode, it starts off with Tenzin's brother. He learns how to airbend somehow. And Korra and Tenzin are basically in the middle of these vines because I think something big went down in the beginning of, and the end of series two. And Korra has to tell everybody that she can't get rid of the vines. And the media are basically giving Korra a hard time. And the president is basically throwing Cora under the bus going, oh, well, I was supposed to get rid of these vines, but the avatar, she hasn't done her job. And so everybody's just basically uh, giving her a hard time. And she has low approval ratings. And Boomy, that's his name. That's Tenzin's brother's name. And he's talking about airbending. But Tenzin doesn't believe him. And so he's like, maybe it works when I'm, my life's in danger. And so one of Tenzin's kids throws a cup at him, just like hurls it towards him. And then he manages to stop the cup doing the airbending. And everyone is like, whoa. And Mackie is, uh, he's a police officer and he's investigating all of the, uh, all of the airbending that's, uh, that's happening. He ends up getting attacked by a new airbender. And it's now becoming a thing where new, like new people are picking up airbending. And obviously, I think Cora and Mackie at this point have uh, split up. And she's basically saying, look, you can still stay with us in the house. It's fine. But he wants to stay at the police station. And Corey and uh, Asami are basically talking about Mackie. And yeah, they're like, and she's saying, you know what? I like having someone to talk to. Being an avatar can be a tough gig. But, you know, if I've got my girlfriend, then uh, everything's going to be okay. And Tanzin is concerned about new airbenders and so his kids are like you know what we're going to help you out and we're going to help and Cora has a plan to get rid of the vines so she's basically doing her best airbending trick and she's saying go in peace but it doesn't work and Tenzin is basically advising Cora about what what she can do and what she can't do basically there's this uh an airbender that's on a bridge and he basically wants to like kill himself because he's like, I don't want to be an airbender. I'm hurting people. And so Cora kind of talks him down and she's saying that, you know, we can help you. And the president's like, you know what? You're way too much trouble for me. I'm ordering you to leave town. And Tenzin decides to go with her. And the end of this episode is that we meet someone called Zahir and he's locked away and he's talking about a legendary airbender. And he has this really cool expression where he's saying, instinct is a lie. 
told by a fearful body hoping to be wrong. And so he basically airbends the heck out of himself out of this prison and he escapes. And he's basically targeting the Avatar. And uh, season three, so the Red Lotus, she kills the Earth Queen and it throws the kingdom into chaos and captures Korra and attempts to kill her and the and end the Avatar cycle. They're defeated by Korra's friends and the new airbenders, but Korra is severely injured and is psychologically traumatized. And in the final season, it takes place three years later. Korra is slowly recovering from her mental and physical trauma. The metal bender, Kuvira, is assigned to reunite the fractured Earth Kingdom and declares herself the head of the new authoritarian Earth Empire. And Kuvira builds a spirit power super weapon and attempts to conquer Republic City. And it all comes down to a head in the finale called A Breath of Fresh Air. So Korra is basically trying to do a plan where she's going after Kuvira. Mako and Bolin are going after machines. Korra, Kuvira can't use any of her weapons because they managed to switch it off. And she's having a one-on-one fight with Korra. Bolin is basically struggling to turn off the buttons. So Mako goes, you know what? I've got an idea and a way to switch off the buttons, but you're going to have to get out of here. And obviously, Bolin thinks it's dangerous and he's thinking, you know what, bro, because they're brothers. So he goes, look, please come out of there. Don't do anything ridiculous. I love you, bro. And he's like, yeah, I love you too. Just a nice moment between two brothers. And Mako is basically blowing up the the vines and he gets knocked out and Bolin just basically drags him out of there. Korra is fighting Kuvira and a big big explosion takes place and Korra is basically chasing after Kuvira going, it's over, you need to give up. And Kuvira is like, never! And she uses this giant random weapon. She's basically shooting at it and the city but can't control the weapon. And Korra does this massive airbending. She airbends the heck out of this whole town and she basically manages to stop whatever was going on. And Korra and Kuvira are now in the spirit world. And Kuvira's like, you know what? I don't have anything in common with you. And we learn about Kuvira's past. And obviously everyone's looking for Korra going, where's Korra? Where's Korra? And then they both return from the spirit world. Kuvira stands down and she orders her soldiers to stand down. And she gets arrested. And in and, and basically goes to the wedding of Sir Varric and the Lady Julie. And they're basically getting married. And there's basically uh, one of the future kings. And he's like, you know what? I don't want there to be kings anymore. So I think yeah, it's Wu. So his name's Wu. And he's like, you know what? I don't want there to be king. We're going to have democratic earth states. And... Cora is feeling like she needs to learn more because she's learned so much about compassion and suffering and she wants to kind of learn that. And Cora and Asami are basically talking to each other and she's saying, you know what, I'm sorry that I wasn't here for you when all of the stuff was going down. And she's saying, you know what, I just want to go to, I just want to go on holiday. And Asami's like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And hand in hand, they both enter the spirit world and they ride off into the sunset on their big old vacation.
that's what superheroes need, don't they? They need a nice long vacation from it all. Yeah, the problem is they can't because it all goes. It always goes wrong when they leave. Well, we we, we don't know that because the show came to an end. Ah, right. Let's rank these shows from three down to one. Right, Wings Club at three, Totally Spies at two, and a clear winner out in front is Legend of Korra. I think this was an easy week for me to rate. Okay, so in at number three is Totally Spies. In at number two is Winks Club, only because it's our first show from Italy. I don't want to just do it like that. I could have tossed a coin with Totally Spies and Winks Club, to be honest with you. I could have easily tossed a coin. Not the worst shows in the world, but yeah, both of them are not for me. And yeah, like you said, way out in front is The Legend of Korra. I thought it was a cracking show in the end, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. I liked uh, I liked everything about the show. And yeah, more power to Cora. And on that note, uh, we're going to bring this episode to an end. Warm welcome to uh, listeners from Nigeria. Yes, nice. got, to, got to love that uh, Niger spirit listening to my podcast. We move. We move. Niger power. And, uh, yeah, the Tracy Beaker episode is getting a lot of uh, buzz. I went back and watched my the, the movie of the, the Tracy Beaker. It was, a, it was a hell of a show, and there's more, because it says to be continued. Oh, really? So I think there's plenty more where that came from. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if we revisit this, I'm definitely going to have to get my brother on, because he was not happy when he realized we'd already done Tracy Beaker and he wasn't involved in this. So, uh we might actually oh. get involved at some point. So, oh well, 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 my bad, Jim, my bad, and uh, promise to promise to get you involved in uh, something, something or another. Promise, promise. But no, yeah, it's, it's, so far the response has been good. So uh, yeah, keep on listening. We're available wherever you get your podcast from. So uh, carry on supporting, continue supporting, and uh, I appreciate each and every one of you no matter where you're from in the world. And uh, Yesterday's Capers were available on the, the, the socials. So it's Instagram, it's Yesterday's Capers 1. On the Twitter, it's Yesterday Capers. On uh, YouTube, it's youtube.com forward slash Yesterday's Capers, just in case YouTube ain't bugging out. And what else? Yeah, you can follow me on the socials. It's Abdullah Molim, all one word on Twitter, Abdullah underscore Molim on Instagram. Yeah, Please try and get involved with this Women's History Month and uh, try and make her, our lives a lot easier in that respect and give us that insight and wisdom that we so badly crave. So, uh, yes, do get involved and uh, join us next time for another episode of Yesterday's Capers. 